Where is Ada? Ada, there you are. Um, I was going to say on uh, SoundCloud.com, RJ has Bible studies on there. And I have listened to uh, RJ on SoundCloud.com. If you go to SoundCloud.com, you'll find three uh, different Bible studies for First Baptist Church. One is a college ministry. One is the Bible survey class. And uh, then Dr. Estep's uh, sermons are on there. So I encourage you to go to SoundCloud.com. And uh, well, let me talk about my finger, alright? Uh, have a little boo-boo. And uh, got a little broken thing there. It's actually a tendon that snapped. If you can picture a rubber band, that's real old. <laughs> and you pull the rubber band and pop. Well, when that happens, uh, your finger just kind of goes down. And so they put in this little contraption. And they said, wear this for eight weeks. So uh, that is eternity to me. I'm, I'm not going to be good. I'm, I'm going to complain. So, But I, I told someone I'm like Rice Krispie. Snap, crackle, pop. That's what happens when you get old. I do want to uh, say that uh, we had a wonderful time last Thursday. And I know many of you got to hear Kathy Swartz. And uh, pray for her. She's at Temple Baptist Church today. And we'll be ministering over at Temple uh, this morning. Well, today we begin a new study in 1 Peter. And I am thrilled about this book. It is a wonderful book to study. And so the book of 1 Peter. Let me just say I gave you some background material to the book. And uh, that came from Dr. Warren Wearsby. And uh, Dr. Wearsby has a wonderful introduction and outline to the book of First Peter. A course written by Peter, the big fisherman. Let me just biographically talk about his history. He's a fisherman. And the rabbi walks by. And the rabbi says, come and follow me. And the fisherman had a choice. Stay with the nets or go with the rabbi. And so he literally laid down the nets, picked up a cross, and followed the Lord. And Peter began to be not a fisher of fish, but a fisher of men. And then we find as we look at the life of Peter, that you know his name was Simon. And Jesus gave him a new name. You will no longer be Simon, you will be Petros, the rock. And Jesus was saying, upon this kind of rock-like faith, or upon this rock of Myself, you, Peter, will lay your life. And you remember there at Caesarea Philippi, Peter said, you're the Christ the Son of the living God. Peter had a way of really announcing his faith to others. Peter was bold and audacious. One time, Peter was in a boat and he saw the Lord walking on the water. Peter said, man, I want to do that too. Lord, let me come to you. 
And Jesus said, well, come on, Peter. Peter's out there, man, he's walking on the water. And then all of a sudden, Peter takes his eyes off the rabbi, off the Lord, and looks at the water. What happened to him? Well, he went down, he sunk like a ton of bricks. Jesus grabs him, puts His arm around him, walks him back to the boat. Aren't you glad that when we fall and sink, that the Lord has a way of putting His arm around us and walking us back into the place of peace? Follow this story on. You find Simon Peter the night the Lord was crucified. And he denies the Lord three different times. He goes out and he weeps bitterly. And three days later, the Lord reconnects. And the Lord revitalizes his faith. And Peter has breakfast with the Lord and they, they begin to mend the fence, you might say. And Jesus gives Peter a command. He says, Peter, feed my sheep. And for 2,000 plus years, through the book of 1 Peter and 2 Peter, he's been doing exactly that. Feeding his sheep through these wonderful words that we have. And so, as we look at 1 Peter today, I want to read verses 1 through 12. And we're just going to read this whole section, verses 1 through 12. 1 Peter chapter 1. Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who reside as aliens scattered throughout Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia, who are chosen according to the foreknowledge of God the Father by the sanctifying work of the Spirit to obey Jesus Christ and be sprinkled with His blood. May grace and peace be yours in fullest measure. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to His great mercy has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to obtain an inheritance which is imperishable and undefiled and will not fade away, reserved in heaven for you, who are protected by the power of God through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. In this you greatly rejoice, even though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been distressed by various trials, so that the proof of your faith, being more precious than gold, which is imperishable, which is perishable, even though tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. And though you have not seen Him, you love Him. 
And though you do not see Him now, but believe in Him, you greatly rejoice with joy inexpressible and full of glory, obtaining as the outcome of your faith the salvation of your souls. As to this salvation, the prophets who prophesied of the grace that would come to you made careful searches and inquiries, seeking to know what person or time the Spirit of Christ within them was indicating as he predicted the sufferings of Christ and the glories to follow. It was revealed to them that they were not serving themselves, but you. In these things which now have been announced to you through those who preach the gospel to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven things into which angels long to look. What a tremendous passage that is. I was thinking about the word glory. And you and I, as the people of God, possess the glory of God. How many times do we see something that is a big event, and while it's going on, it's glorious? I was thinking about the RNC and the DNC. A lot of hoopla while it's going on. And I mean, boy, there's cheering, there's protest, there's fanaticism, and then the glory dies. Well, that's like so many things in life. It springs up, and then it's gone. But you and I are a possessor of glory if we know the Lord. What a wonderful truth that is. I read about a cemetery in England close to Windsor Castle. And one of the tombstones has this words, these words. The boast of heralds, the pomp of power, and all that beauty and all that wealth e'er gave awaits alike the inevitable, inevitable hour the paths of glory lead but to the grave. That is true. Man's glory does not last, but God's glory is eternal. Now, Simon Peter writes this letter to a bunch of discouraged, scattered believers. If you and I could go to the first century A.D., we would find that the people of God were scattered all over the Roman world because of persecution. Nero was attacking the people of God every single day. That Roman emperor was literally setting Rome on fire by burning the Christians. And so, even though they are scattered, even though they are persecuted, Peter says, you possess the glory of God. Now, God wants to share His glory with us. You know one thing about our God. He is not a stingy God. God is very benevolent to you and I. God loves to share His nature and His glory with us. And so, I want to share with you today four truths that we find in this passage. Number one, Christians are born for glory. 
We find this in verses 1 through 4, but let me just take you back to verse 3. Look at verse number 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to His great mercy has caused us, notice that phrase, caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Now, because of the death and the burial and the resurrection of Christ, you and I can have a living hope and we can possess the glory of God. Now, what is the glory of God? Well, the glory of God is not an attribute. Now, let me explain this to you. The glory of God is the sum total of all that God does and all that God is. For instance, God is glorious in His holiness. Do I have holiness in my life? I do. Because it is given to me by Christ. The glory of God means that God is glorious in His mercy. Do I have mercy in my life? I guarantee if I got it, it's because God gave it to me. Do I have love in my life? God is glorious in His love. So all that God is, all that God does is glorious. In Isaiah chapter 6, Isaiah is in the throne room of God. And Isaiah said, here is the glory of God. He said, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God of well, you and I can have that kind of glory in our lives. I, in the book of Psalms chapter 19, I used this last Wednesday night, but Psalm 19 verse 1 says, "...the heavens are telling of the glory of God, and their expanse is declaring the work of His hands." Man, just look at creation. Boy, when you see a sunrise or a sunset, when, when you see the ocean... It declares and preaches the glory of God. Now, Peter says here in verse number 3, and stay with me on this, verse 3, Peter says, we are born again to a living hope. It's a glorious birth. Most of us, in fact, if you're here today, uh, you had one birth. But hopefully, praise the Lord, if you're saved, you had a second birth. Some are born twice and they're going to die once. Others are born once and they're going to die twice. But because you and I have been born again. Now, think about your first birth. I know you were there, but you don't remember it, alright? Well, let me tell you how glorious your first birth was. Some doctor grabbed you by the feet, held you in the air, in the air and spanked your bottom. Now there ain't nothing too glorious about that. But here is your second birth. In Christ, God has forgiven all your sin. In Christ, God has filled you with the Holy Spirit. In Christ... God has justified you as if you had never sinned. In Christ, God has sanctified you and set you apart to live a holy life. Man, that is glorious. 
I know that's preaching ground, but man, that's glorious. That's right, I'll start shouting. Christian birth is described here in verses 2 and 3. Now, notice that the whole Trinity is involved. You and I are born again by the foreknowledge of God. Do you see that? Verse 2, according to the foreknowledge of God the Father. Back there in eternity past, God made a way. Back there in eternity past, God said, I'm going to make man with a free will, and if man sins, I'll buy him back. God made a way in His foreknowledge. Well, then also you find not only is God involved, but also verse number 2. By the sanctifying work of the Spirit, God made a way for me to be saved in eternity past. But in 1969, the Spirit of God came to my heart and wooed me and called me and convicted me and drew me to the Lord. Well, not only the Father and the Spirit, but also look at the Son here. Verse number 2 again. It says to obey Jesus Christ and be sprinkled with His blood. God in His foreknowledge, the Spirit in His sanctification, and then we find the blood of Christ. All three are involved. And so the Trinity is involved in our, in our second birth. Well, look at verses 3 and 4. You find our hope described here. Christian hope is a living hope. In verse number 3, it says we have been born again to what kind of hope? A living hope there in verse number 3. Now, do you think that Peter was kind of autobiographical here? I think he was. Peter had a hope that died for three days. But man, when Jesus rose again, Peter received a living hope. You and I in our lives, we have sometimes days when hope dies. Days when we are discouraged. Days when things just happen to us. I guarantee you, you know, a pinky, that's a small thing on your body. Well, try to shower. <laughs> try to shave with that thing. I mean, we all have all kinds of trials. I had someone tell me one time that they said when, when you got something gone, gone wrong in your life, it doesn't matter if it's a heart attack or a toothache. At the moment, it's a big deal. And that is true. We also, according to verse number 4, have an inheritance. Do you see there it says to obtain an inheritance? The Bible says that inheritance is imperishable undefiled, will not fade away, reserved in heaven for you. How many times do you know of someone that gets a great big old inheritance and they go through it in about six months? Happens all the time. Now, Pam and I, we got good news for our daughter. We just going to spend it all. <laughs> so, Kendra, don't count on anything. Mom and Dad, we're just going to spend it all. 
Oh man, listen to me. The inheritance that we have in the Lord can never fade away. It can't be spent. It can't be squandered. It can't be wasted. It is reserved in heaven for us. The IRS can't touch it. President Obama can't have it. Man, it belongs in heaven. It's waiting there for you and I. Christians are born again for glory. When we were saved, we exchanged the passing glory of man for the eternal glory of God. Alright, God, move on. Alright, number two. Number two. Also, we find Christians are kept for glory. Not only are we born for glory, we are kept. Man, it's one thing to be born again. But God in grace and God in power can not only have you born again, but He can keep you born again. Now look at this wonderful verse. Verse number 5. Verse 5, who are protected by the power of God through faith for a salvation ready, ready to be revealed in the last time. Let me read that from a different translation. The Message Bible in verse 5 says, God is keeping careful watch over us and the future. The day is coming when you'll have it all. Life healed and whole. Woo. I like that. The day is coming when you'll have it all. Life healed and whole. I was talking about the staff earlier today. You know, we got young guys on staff. We got guys like RJ, that, you know, and Philip and Scott. Boy, those guys look so good, you know. <laughs> Then you got Steve Barton and me, you know. <laughs> but you know what? Last week, Philip Turner had gout in his toe. I, I, I looked at Philip with that cane that he was walking with, and I said, My goodness, did the ministry do that to you? <laughs> You're too young for that. You know, you got Dr. Estep with a bad shoulder, Steve with a bad hip, Phillips with a bad hip, you got, you know, Philip with gout, you got me with a bad pinky, I mean, on, on, on. <laughs> Steve Barton with, you know, the, the pig valves that he has, and so, you know. But. But the Bible says one day we're going to be healed and whole. We are protected. That, that word kept that you find there in verse 5, New American Standard uses the word protected. But that word protected or kept, Strong's Concordance says it means to guard or protect by a military guard either to prevent hostile invasion or to keep the inhabitants of a besieged city from running away. Boy, I had an argument with a guy one time. In fact, I had several arguments with him, but uh, 
He, he tried to tell me that I could be saved one day and lost the next day. And I, I said, 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 5 says, God has a guard in front of me. And I can't get out even if I wanted to get out. The Bible says this guard, this sentinel protects us, keeps us. In fact, it stops anything from getting in and stealing us away, but it also stops us from getting out. Boy, what a wonderful thing that is. Dr. James M. Gray in one of his songs said, Who can mind the journey when the road leads home? Isn't that good? Who can mind the journey when the road leads home? Richard. Yeah, go ahead, Kirby. In that same verse, uh, old, uh, five there, protected by the power of God <coughs> through faith. Yeah. It's... <clears throat> go ahead. You know, that's it. You have to believe it. It's got to be a faith thing. And if it works, you're not kept. Because if you do bad, good works to be saved, you can do bad works and be lost. But if it's a faith thing, then you are eternally secure. I want you to take your Bible and, and kind of hold your spot there in 1 Peter, but look at the book of Jude. Uh, just flip over just a couple of pages right before Revelation. Look at Jude verses 24 and 25. Jude 24 and 25. The Bible says, Now to him who is able, and here's this word again, to keep you from stumbling and to make you stand in the presence of His glory, blameless with great joy. To the only God our Savior, and here's, this is what Kirby's talking about, through Jesus Christ our Lord, be glory, majesty, dominion, and authority before all time and now and forever. Amen. Amen. Who is going to make us able to stand in His presence? It's Christ. And Christ alone. I love the song by the Gettys, Christ and Christ alone. Alright, i got to move on. Alright, number three. We're getting behind here. Number three. Are you all with me? Say Amen. amen. Alright, great, great. Thank you, Bascom. Alright. Number three, Christians are being prepared for glory. So not only are we born again for glory, we're kept for glory, but Christians are being prepared for glory. And that's verses 6 and 7. Now, all that God does in our lives today is to prepare us for eternity in the future. God uses, this is going to bless your heart, God uses one single thing to prepare us to live in heaven for eternity. You know what that is? Trials. Trials. That's what it is. You can see this right here, verse number 6. In this you greatly rejoice, even though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been distressed by various trials. Well, trials get us ready for 
eternity. Trials meet needs. Verse number 6 says, if necessary. God knows when we need a trial. I don't know because I would never choose to have one. God knows when we need a trial. <laughs> I think I'm going to put a light on there, alright? God knows. God, God knows that trials come to make us better, not bitter. Psalm 119, verse 67 is a, a wonderful verse on that. I'm going to read that to you. Psalm 119, verse 67. And here's what that says. Before I was afflicted, I went astray. But now I keep your word. Well, that's powerful. Isn't it? Before I was afflicted, I went astray. So, God knows when we need a trial. Also, trials are varied. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 6 says that we have uh, various trials. The word various there means multicolored. They come in all shapes and sizes. Trials also are controlled by God. Verse number 6 says, How long does the trial last? A little while. A little while. It may seem like a long time, but a little while. God knows how long to keep us in the furnace. Heaven is a place of praise. Now, if you and I never have a trial down here, how are we going to praise up there? And so what God does, God gives us trials and struggles here so that one day we can sit around the throne of God and we can shout and we can sing and we can testify how we overcome. <laughs> Boy, isn't that good? How we overcome. We will tell the story how we've overcome. We will understand it better by and by. All right, that'll preach on it. All right, gotta move on. This is the fourth and last thing. Christians can enjoy the glory right now. And this is verses 8 through 12, but let me just pick these verses apart here. How do you and I enjoy the glory of God in your life right now? Let me give you four ways. Number one, love Christ with all your heart. Do you see this in verse number 8? The Bible says, And though you have not seen Him, you love Him. Love Christ with all your heart. He ought to be the first one you say good morning to. He ought to be the last person you say good night to. Love Him with all your heart. And then, we need to trust Christ. Verse number 8 says, And though you do not see Him now, but believe in Him. Trust Christ. Walk by faith. Years ago when I was a teenager, I went to church camp and our church camp had a youth minister that had this wild, crazy idea. 
He said, we're going to play a game called Faith Walk. And we're going to divide up the, the youth group into pairs. And uh, one of you will be blindfolded. And the other person will lead them around. And so we're down the Arbuckle Mountains. So there's bridges and rocks and cliffs and... So anyway, the youth minister paired us up and I got this girl named Sheila. Of course, you know who got the blindfold, not me. I said, here Sheila, here's your blindfold. So I put the blindfold on her. I said, okay Sheila, take ten steps forward. So we're walking along. And, and she's just blindfolded. She's just walking by faith, trusting me. We get to a bridge. I said, okay, Sheila. She said, I hear water. And I said, yeah, there's water down there. I said, Sheila, turn right and take five steps. So Sheila turned right. She went one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Yeah, she took two steps too many. Splash. Yeah, oh no. I said, Sheila, you didn't do very well. <laughs> oh, she was okay. But she was awful wet. Aren't you glad the Lord does better at guiding us than that? Well, not only love Christ, trust Him, but number three, rejoice in Christ. Again, verse number eight, how wonderful this is. You greatly rejoice with joy inexpressible and full of glory. And then the fourth thing, receive from Christ. Look at verse number 9. Obtaining as the outcome of your faith the salvation of your souls. And so we receive from Him. Right now in the present tense, we can enjoy the glory of God. We can have joy and peace and long-suffering, and patience, and goodness, and the list goes on and on and on and on. Man, try to describe all the blessings God's given to you. Right now we can enjoy eternal life. Question today, are you a possessor of glory? Oh, I like what the old preacher said. Said you can sit on the premises if you want to, but I'm going to stand on the promises. Amen. A possessor of glory. We were born for glory, kept for glory, being prepared for glory, and we will enjoy glory right now in our faith. Let's pray together. Father, thank You for Your Word today. Father, fill us with glory, glory, glory. Father, give us the desire to share this glory with others. Thank You, Father, under the inspiration of Your Spirit that this wonderful epistle has been written for us. Lord, let us learn how to react to trials and how to increase our faith. In Jesus' name, Amen. amen. Y'all have a great day.